Uh, if this doesn't loop, if so, um, we wish to cancel. Um, we do not wish to belong to that or to pay this anymore. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome to the Lund Loop Podcast, the podcast where we throw off the shackles of technical analysis and talk about the intersection of markets, trading, and life, or life, trading, and markets. I can never remember what order that goes in. I've been doing this for 15 years. It's been a tagline on my blog for 15 years, and I cannot remember which order it goes into. Welcome to the wonderful world of ADHD. Well, I hope you had a good week. I hope you had a good three-day weekend, a nice, relaxing Memorial Day weekend. I did not have a good Memorial Day weekend. I shouldn't say I didn't have a good weekend. I had a frustrating weekend because I figured something out about myself that really is no shock, and I should have realized it years ago, but I'm slow on the uptake. On Friday afternoon, I said, Wow, I've got three days with nothing to do. My schedule was cleared and I was very excited about starting and hopefully finishing three projects that I've been putting on the back burner for quite some time now. My goal was to at least start all three and hopefully finish maybe two, maybe three of them by the time the weekend was over. And as of eight o'clock Monday evening, I had started zero. I had done nothing on any of them. And one of the things that I realized is when you give me a big block of empty space with no structure in it, I can waste time like a motherfucker. I swear, I am so good at pushing stuff off because I think I have so much time like, oh, I'll do it a little bit later. I've got so much time. I have this whole weekend. One of the things about the weekday that helps me to be a little more productive, overcome my ADHD, is the structure. I have to get up at a certain time because I'm making the kids lunch and then the market opens and then I'm taking them to school and then the markets, you know, in certain phases during the course of the day, then it closes and I got to pick them up. There's all these structural points throughout the day. And if I want to get something done, I know, okay, I've got an hour here. I've got an hour and a half here and I know what I'm doing next. And that's one of the things that is my kryptonite. If I don't have structure, I don't really... I'm not proactive, I don't move forward. And it's hard as an ADHD person, because they don't really have the H in the ADHD. I would say I'm more ADD. I don't really have the hyper part. Although when you listen to me speak, sometimes I get speaking really fast and you think, oh, he's hyper, but it's really the ADD. So for an ADD person, it's hard to build that structure, but I'm trying, I'm trying to do better. Over the course of the week, had some interesting things happen. One is my daughter went to her academic decathlon award ceremony. Now, about two months ago, my daughter announced out of the blue at the dinner table, hey, I'm doing academic decathlon, which was really odd because my my daughter's never really done any academic extracurricular activities. And also it's way into the school year. School year is almost over. So why would she be starting then? And I guess what happened is somebody that was on the academic decathlon team had dropped out. Her teacher said, hey, we'd really like you to join to fill in that space. So she said yes, which is great. And the way academic decathlon works is there's eight different categories and you pick 
think you pick four. You have to pick a minimum of four. I think you can compete in all eight, but you have to at least compete in four. And you go to this big event. It's held at a rival high school, and there's 25 different schools from all around and their teams. And I think the, you know, it's like history, essay writing, public speaking, science, math, all these different topics. So my daughter decides to do essay writing because she's a goddamn great writer. She's a better writer at 16 than I ever was. So she picked that. She picked science, uh, history, and literature. But the actual day of the competition, somebody didn't show up. So her teacher said, hey, I need you to drop two of those and I need you to do math, which she hates and is really bad at, and public speaking, which is, you know, she's like me. She's a ham. She likes to talk, but she didn't have a speech prepared. You have to do a three minute speech. So the morning of the event, when she was actually there at the event, the teacher says, hey, I need you to do public speaking. So she went up when it was her time to present and said, the topic of my public speech is I hate public speaking. And she went on a three minute rant, which that was great. And then she did math and she did essay writing and something else. So whatever is all done. And they have this award ceremony, which was this week. She said, look, I'm, I'm not going to win anything. I came into this thing at the end of the year. I got my topic switched around. So don't have any high hopes for me. And of course, being the laissez-faire parent I am, I was like, hey, you know, we're just happy and proud that you participate. Whereas my wife, who's the Asian parent, she said, what do you mean you're not going to win? <laughs> so anyway, we went there. It was fine. Turns out she wins two third place prizes, a second place prize, and get this, a first place prize in math, in the subject that she hates and she self-proclaimed as being horrible in. And I think there's some really interesting takeaways there, which of course I will twist and turn and mold into a market lesson. The first is adaptability. She got there. They said, look, I need you to go into these two different categories that she wasn't prepared for. Okay. So she figured it out. Number two is she thinks she's bad in math, but I explained to her, I said, you can't be bad in math if you got first place. And she said, well, I, I basically guessed on all the answers. I said, yeah, but you can't guess your way to first place. There has to be some part of you that has intrinsically, organically soaked in the concepts of math so that when you were looking at those questions, you could say, oh, that feels right, that feels right. So if we extrapolate those into the market, obviously adaptability and flexibility is super important because Markets change, as we've seen in the last six months, they change. They change even week to week. And so you have to be adaptable as to how you're trading, what you're trading, your style of trading. But the other part is that intrinsic understanding or knowledge of the market. We like to lean on technical analysis because technical analysis keeps us out of trouble. Tech, technical analysis is objective for the most part. And if we're going to screw up, it's going to be on us. We can't say, well, we didn't know it's, we have to say, well, we didn't make, we didn't obey our rules when this broke this line or when this didn't confirm here, whatever. But there is some subjectivity in trading. There always is. And I think what happens sometimes is we use our gut and it works out and we're like, Hmm. And we use our gut and it works out again. And then at that point, 
most people just keep going, well, I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to go with my gut. And then at some point it doesn't work out. But what we really should be doing at that point is saying, okay, I'm going with my gut and I'm trading a different way. Maybe I'm trading a three day consolidation ranges and I'm doing well. Okay. What can I do with my technical analysis to back up my gut feeling or, or to basically create filters for selection? You know, like my gut says go with this, but I put a couple filters on it says, no, 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 that's not the optimal entry for that type of trade. And what can I do to manage my risk? And this is important because it dovetails into a question that a subscriber sent me. And the question was, what's your process for coming up with a categorized watch list? And the reason it dovetails with this topic of adaptability and using your instinct and then also quantifying what your instinct's telling you is that for most of the time that I've been trading, I haven't had a very quantifiable way of creating a watch list. In fact, if I think back over the 35 plus years that I've been doing this, for most of that time, it's been instinctual. It's been, what are the hot sectors? And thinking back from 1985 to now, there's always been a hot sector. It hasn't always been the same hot sector. I mean, sometimes it's chip stocks, but there were times when potash stocks were hot. There was times when, there was this one period in the 90s when MRI stocks were hot. There were these companies that had multiple MRI, you know, you know like you go and you get an MRI, well, this was kind of a emerging technology. And there were these companies that owned like 10, 20, 30 different imaging centers. And they went public. I remember the tickers, USLD, MRII. There were a couple of maybe I something. Anyway, these companies don't exist anymore because they either were bought or they were uh, or they merged. But there's always something that's hot. And being a market participant, an active market participant, I always seem to know what those hot sectors were because you're just paying attention to the markets and you gravitate to where those are. So I've never had a situation where I did analysis and I you know, was looking at sector rotation or did some really granular stuff that said, oh, this sector is starting to get hot or this one is. But there's a downside to that sort of approach. And the downside to that approach is when markets transition, when they go from a period of hot sectors to not, not even, I mean, there's two ways that it sucks. One is when you do a sector rotation, but that's not so tough because you can kind of feel that happening. And then there's always another sector to go into. It's more when you hit markets, like we've seen the last six months where most of the go-to sectors get hit and the ones that are quote unquote hot are not really the ones that you go to for alpha, like your energy stocks. Energy stocks to me are stocks that you put money in and you just let it sit for a long time. We've talked about this a lot, how they're like aircraft carriers. They get going in a certain direction and you just stay with them, but they're not really vehicles for, they're certainly not vehicles for day trading and they're really not great swing trading vehicles either. So it causes a problem during those transition periods. And so what used to happen to me is I would be very profitable for a year, year and a half, two years, maybe even longer. But then there would be a three to six month period where there was that transition market. And I would give a lot of money back, not as much as I made, but more than I should have, because I couldn't 
I couldn't transition and I kept sticking with those stocks that had been working. So for example, let's say you're in going into tech, that's the hot sector. That's, this is a great example because this is something we've seen recently. And you're buying these predictable patterns and it's working. And then at some point, the sector tops and starts rolling over, but you don't know if you're rolling over or if you're just in a, a downtrend, in a, you know, short-term pullback in an uptrend. But then you start going into more of a downtrend and then you're still trying to play those patterns the same way you were. And what you don't realize is that you've transferred into counter trend rallies in a downtrend. And that's what we've seen a lot. And so it sometimes takes a long time to realize that that's what's happening. Or the other way is that you just go into this sideways market where if you've been trading breakouts, they're failing, but they're not really failing and rolling over. They're just failing enough to stop you out. So that's tough when you, when you don't have a quantifiable way to get a watch list. So what I've realized is you have to, you have to decide what you want to do. And so for me, the decision uh, maybe five, six, seven years ago was, do I try to transition my way of picking watch lists when the market transitions? So do I say, okay, I've been in these stocks, they're hot, these sectors are hot. Now they're not hot. What sort of analysis can I do to find other sectors and stay active? And I realized that I don't want to do that because I'm just not comfortable trading some of those sectors during those transition times. So before I would like, I would stick with the old stocks and I'd get chewed up, or I would try to get tricky and you know end up giving back money. So I've decided what I should do during those times is to pull back and to trade less and to be way, way more patient and wait for those times when the counter trend rallies really uh, are in my favor. Now, I don't say that that's what everybody should do, but I think it's a question that you have to ask yourself. When the market does transition, what do I want to do? And maybe it should be, what should I do? Because there's that adapt thing, right? I can adapt and trade different, um, you know, different stocks, different sectors. But then there's that intrinsic thing. Should I do that? Is that something I'm comfortable with? And that's a question that we all have to ask, but sometimes we don't ask it. And that's when we can get really chopped up. So for me, like I said, I've come to the point in my life, and maybe it's because I'm older and I'm just, I don't have the energy I used to have, but it's like, okay, when that market transition happens, I'm just gonna pull it back a little bit more and get a lot more selective. But if that's not what you want to do, if you want to continue to be active, that's fine as well. But you need to make sure you quantify a way that that can tell you where you should be. Um, I would like to repeat that want to be canceled from the Lund loop, whatever you've got me on. Um, if you wish to call and explain what it is, uh, actually, uh, forget that. Well, that's it for this episode. If you got any questions, hit me up at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at thelunloop.com. I'll see you next time. Bye.